you're listening to the Locked In Podcast. Here's your host, Algernon Cash. I'm Algernon Cash, and you're locked in. Um, you all have been hearing me talk about so many things happening at a national level. Um, Supreme Court justice rulings that could have a major impact on the November midterm elections. And um, although um, former President Trump has been out of office uh, for two years, we still talk about him every single day. And we're talking about him even more lately um, with some of the um, investigations that have emerged against Trump and, and even some members of his administration. And um, so I wanted to invite a really good friend of mine. He is a former elected official. He is an entrepreneur. He's a government relations professional. He's a pastor. He's a community leader. And um, he and I used to co-host the Chronicle Live together. Um, I've got Derwin Montgomery locking in. We're going to highlight some of these national issues. And we're going to talk about what does it mean for North Carolina voters and what is turning out to be a very, very important election year. Derwin, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, Cash. Uh, you know, like you, paying attention to all the chaos happening politically in the state and across the country. And, you know, like you say, bringing it back and, you know, trying to figure out what does this mean for November for us in North Carolina? Well, you you know, um, you know, this past weekend, I, I contacted my cousin and I told him, I said, I'm going somewhere on Saturday night. And here's the address. If, if I don't make it out alive, this is this is where I would this is where I was at. But to my audience, you know, um, Derwin was was kind enough to invite me to the Democratic Gala this past Saturday. Um, and if you know me, if you lock in with me, if you follow me, you, you know, I'm not all about partisan politics. I am a Republican, but I strongly believe the way we get things done in Raleigh um, and, and in Washington is through consensus. And so Republicans and Democrats have to work together on really large issues. So I was thankful to get the invite to, to the gala this past Saturday, and I went. And I'm um, sat in VIP. I, I might have made history. I probably was the first Republican to ever sit in VIP in the Forsyth County Democratic Party <laughs> gala. But all jokes aside, um, Darwin, the reason why I brought that up, talk a little bit about what do you think is the mood and atmosphere amongst um, Democrats in North Carolina right now, especially considering just some of the things that we've been seeing since the spring and the summer, whether it be abortion, you know, Roe v. Wade, some of the things that's happening with Trump. Um, I mean, are Democrats excited for November or is it still sort of, you know, blah? Well, I, I think there is is the party loyalists for sure are, are excited. Um, but I think on the other side, you have a mix of both fear and excitement. Um, the, the excitement about, and, and I think the excitement comes after um, Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade and the hope that that helps to invigorate folks to turn out in this midterm election, because, you know, uh, at the, normally the party who uh, has presidency after the election, they normally see contractions in a midterm election. And, and what does this do to help maybe cushion some of that contraction that we we're going to see? Um, and then on the other side, it's the fear, the fear of what happens if if we don't show up. And we've already seen um, Roe v. Wade overturn and, and other policies. And in particular, who are the candidates on the Republican side being elected and what's that impact? for us, not just on the base policy that matters to Democrats around the kitchen table issues of being able to have good health care, go have a good schools, have good jobs with good paying um, uh, to take care of your family, but more so the questions of our democracy and that fear that many of the Republican candidates are, are moving further, further right and 
has the potential to to upend what we understand today as as our democracy. And that's the fear factor that I think exists. Well, you you and Democrats may not be the only one that has those fears. There are some members of the Republican Party that also has those fears. And one of those people happen to be Liz Cheney, um, the only member of the um, um, Congress that, that Wyoming, Wyoming has only one representative in the House of Representatives, and it is um, Representative Liz Cheney. And Cheney was primaried um, by a um, Trump-backed support, you know, supporter. Um, she did lose her primary last night. She has been someone that is very vocal against the former president. She is the co-chair of the January 6th hearings that's looking into the insurrection that happened at the Capitol. Um, and she's on record saying she doesn't think that President Trump should be anywhere near the White House. She actually believes that it's a national security concern at this point to have this man near the White House. And I, I will admit some of us are also starting to believe she she may be on to something here. Um, you know, what what are your thoughts about the, the fracture that I think you're starting to see within the Republican Party? So you've got some of these never Trumpers that are now um, aligning themselves with Liz Cheney. You have some moderate Republicans, which is what I would describe myself as a little bit more moderate. And we're probably more aligned with a Mike Pence, you know, type Republican right now. And then you got some of these far right wingers who um, I'm really starting to believe what Trump said was not a joke. It's very serious. I do think he could pull out a gun and shoot somebody right between the eyes on, on Pennsylvania Avenue and they would still line up to vote for him. Um, what 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 do you what do you think about what you're seeing in terms of some of the fracturing in the party right now on the Republican side? Well, to me, politically, I think it's advantageous to Democrats, um, the, the fracturing. And, and, and I believe that that fracturing, although not as blatant um, as it is on the national level, is also happening in the state um, and, and even within the legislature. Um, I think you see that in, in small, small spaces. But when you take someone like Alice Cheney and the Cheney dynasty um, and she loses uh, by almost 40 points, um, that's crazy. Um, and it and it really speaks to the current pro thought process of where uh, Republicans are um, and uh, a walking away from this thought of common sense politics. Um, and uh, and and to me, um, my hope is that those three kind of fractures that you kind of kind of shared uh, that you get a group of folks who say even if it's uh, for for this year alone. Uh, or this year and next year that they hold their breath and they vote for a Democrat uh, because they care more about the preservation of our democracy than they do about the person in the party. Um, we can come back and, you you know, uh, we see back and forth all the time between legislation that we don't like that's passed by Republicans and Democrats. One passes it, another repeals a portion, replaces this, underfunds something. But when you start talking about the crux of democracy, that is not as easy to rebuild. And so I'm willing to convey something to Republican that I disagree with on policy when I can come back and try to repair that, but not in the sense of when it's so principled and very clear that, that this is eroding um, true places within our, our democratic process. Yeah, you know, Cheney's already announced, man, she is um, thinking about a run for president for 2024, not because she thinks she can win, but she wants to do anything to make it more difficult. Um, she, she believes that she is now a patriot. And her mission is to block Donald Trump from returning to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, some of this strong belief and, and thought that she has, I still don't necessarily believe. I, I don't think that 
Trump's dominance in the GOP is the single reason why she has now lost her seat in Wyoming. I do think Cheney, because of some of her ties to her father and just some of her Washington insider relationships, I think she became more and more a Washington insider. I, I don't think she was spending a lot of time at home in her district. And I think Wyoming residents and voters were planning on voting her out um, no matter what. Now, with, with the wide margin that you highlighted, the 40%, I, I do think that's Trump induced, right? So you've already got Wyoming voters that are already upset with her. And then Trump comes in and just layers on top of that. Um, and then you've got an opponent, you know, within your own party who's beating your brains out because they say you're not conservative enough. Same thing that happened to McCrory right here in our in our state. And and so yeah, I mean, I I, I think she was on the way out no matter what, but but the but the margin definitely exacerbate or, or really highlights the, the 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 Trump effect. Similar to here in North Carolina, when, you know, McCrory lost the primary, he, you know, we sort of had a feeling he was going to lose. <laughs> we were all watching the polls, but then we were really blown away by the margin that he actually lost by. And, and again, I, I think that highlighted this, this impact of, of Trump. Now, you talk a little bit about democracy, um, and there are some people that now, you, you know, and I, not just some people, I'd say even including myself, I used to hear these people say, well, democracy is under threat, <laughs> you, you know, with, with a President Trump. And I, I actually thought a lot of this was a little bit overblown. Um, I will say that even me, um, there has been a shift for me in the way I'm looking at these issues and I'm looking at Trump. And it has a lot to do with this FBI raid that happened down in Mar-a-Lago. Um, now, if you're in my audience and you've been following me, if you follow me all the way back to the bust of round days, you know, at, one, at um, 97 and 102, you, you know that um, I've been very critical of Democrats, very critical of Barack Obama when he was in office. And when I saw the raid that happened down in Mar-a-Lago, and then I almost immediately saw Republicans, um, House Republicans, Republicans that are in leadership coming out to defend the former president, I, I had to go look out my window to make sure I hadn't landed in a whole parallel universe <laughs> where up is down and, and, you know, I didn't know what was going on um, because I can't get my head wrapped around and maybe you can, you know, enlighten me, Derwin. If we took the name Donald Trump out, and put Barack Obama inserted it. I can't even imagine what Fox and Republican leadership would be saying right now. You got an FBI raid of a former president. We now know that the former president was holding classified material um, that is only supposed to be reviewed in a safe room. And he has it in a storage locker with a padlock that he bought from Walmart or Lowe's or something. And, 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 and we believe that there may have been, you know, classified nuclear information, you know, sensitive information around nuclear weapons at his house. So can you imagine the headline reading Barack Obama's house raided by the FBI and they find 11 sets of classified material? I think it, it, it'd be an uproar. Um, and, and then not to see that same reaction, you know, from many members within my own party, I, I tell you that that was a real sobering experience for me last last week. But I hate to say it, but, you know, I'm I'm moving further and further into this Cheney camp of my own that I, I don't know if you can trust him and his administration and these people to 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 to, to be in the White House. You know, when you heard about the raid and then even some of the subsequent information and news that we've received since the raid, 
I mean, what, what are you hearing in, in Democratic circles? What was the Democratic chatter that maybe I missed out on this past Saturday at the gala about some of these these, these new revelations? Well, it, it comes back, points back to, to, to some of the same things in, in reference to uh, at least politically and again, in looking to to, these, to November, you know, that, that this helps to embolden a Democrat case for supporting the Democrats coming in, in the fall. But even more than that, it contrasts um, even within the Trump White House, you look at uh, Mike Pence and that Mike Pence complied fully with the turning over of all documents because the same classified material that Trump received, he received as vice president, received the presidential briefings, received that. And he complied, gave everything back that needed to be given back. And the way that it operates, even some of the things that you think are personal, you still turn that over. They assess it, review it, and then they give you the things that yeah, this is yours. It belongs to you. Here you go kind of thing. Um, and I think it just speaks to the fact of, of a Trump mentality that I get to do what I want to do, how I want to do it, regardless of rules, regardless of structure. Um, I don't care about process and procedure because my name is Donald Trump. Um, and that's part of, I think, the the narrative that I hope bleeds into to the November conversation um, and impacts us even in North Carolina. And I think it, as we look even here in North Carolina, I struggle to see whether or not that message will um, will be able to to win a, a majority of voters over in North Carolina, because I just think we're different. And I think we have some races that that show that. Um, but I think that's part of what we're looking at. And that's part of what I think Democrats are, 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 are hoping it, it comes out of this whole process. Yeah, I, I, I do think um, whether it be some of the issues that I think the Supreme Court has raised, which is going to cause some energy on not only on the Democratic side, but 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 it's going to cause some energy from pro-life Republicans, too. Um, but but the, the, the issues around what we've heard with, with Trump in the last week or so, I, I just I just think that's very damaging. Personally, if, if, if I'm, you know, can, um, candidate Ted Budd or Congressman Ted Budd, you know, I've got to be questioning, you know, is this endorsement as valuable as I thought it was? You know, it, it may have helped him quite a bit, obviously, in the primary, and it certainly helped him beat the brains out of uh, out of Pat McCrory. I don't know how much this helps you in, 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 a, um, in a purple state going into a race that's probably going to be ultimately decided by independents, not to mention you're also running against the historical significance of um, Justice Sherry Beasley potentially being the first African-American member of the United States Senate from North Carolina, I, I would think that's going to fire up a lot of minorities um, to, to get out and, and, and support her. But, and, you know, and for my audience that's listening, there's one point that I want to make sure I clarify, because I've seen it so many times. I've seen it even on my page. And, you know, I don't always speak out. You know, I'm just making posts and I'm, I rarely even come back and comment. Um, the, President Trump did not have the authority to mass declassify any information. It, it just does not work that way. If you're going to declassify information, you actually have to notify the department that the information resides in so that they can at least know that it's been de declassified. So for the FBI to be there looking for classified information, it is very clear that that information was not declassified, or if it was declassified, the process wasn't followed. The proper notifications weren't given. Um, they would not be researching chain of custody on some of this evidence if they knew exactly where it was and wh what was going on. And then the last thing I want to say, because I've seen this on my page, there's so much misinformation out there. This is crazy. The pre I don't care what president you are, if you're the current president or a former president, you cannot, absolutely cannot declassify anything related to nuclear weapons, 
and nuclear systems, okay? The Atomic Energy Acts of, 19, of the 1950s clearly prevent this. You, you, you cannot, you can't do it as a current president, you can't do it as a former president. So if there was any information that, that was inside this um, um, Costco safe that they had at Mar-a-Lago, if it was any information in that related to nuclear systems and weapons, it is impossible to declassify that information. And it, and sad to say, the former president could be looking at criminal charges related to espionage. Um, I mean, I, it's just hard to believe we're even having this conversation, Derwin, in a state like North Carolina, in, in, in America and in a state like North Carolina. You know, I let out with, I got to get ready to wrap up. You, you know, we are in the middle of a big midterm election. Um, I still believe Republicans could be on a trajectory to take the House. I, I, I still believe that. I think the economy is on shaky ground for a lot of middle income families. The inflation issue is big on people right now. The housing issues got a lot of people um, um, frustrated. So I do think there's still a pathway for, for Republicans to take control of the House. I think that pathway has become even more questionable for the Senate. Um, and, and I think the pathway for Republicans to actually retain um, Senate control of North Carolina has even become a bit questionable. What are you seeing out there? I mean, you spend a lot of time crisscrossing the state. You're talking to folks in Raleigh. What, what do you, what, what's your, your early prediction for November? You know, when, when I look at, at North Carolina, I, I think that, um, you know, independent voters, like so many others, are are, are large, large uh, majority of folks who are voting a third here in the state and continues to grow. Um, that's why we can have a Democratic governor and a Republican uh, lieutenant governor, a Democratic secretary of state and a Republican secretary of agriculture, Democratic attorney general and a Republican labor secretary. Um, and so when you lay that out, um, I think that with all that we're seeing at the national level overlaid um, on top of that, um, I think it bodes well that independents will look at what's happening in D.C. and make a conscious effort to vote based on that. And I think that that poses a great opportunity for someone like a Sherry Beasley uh, to beat out a Ted Budd in North Carolina, despite where some of the polling rests right now, because independent voters will be making that making that decision. Um, uh, and and also on the other side of it, um, uh, I think Republicans in North Carolina are conscious enough to understand that you can't be too far right. They, there was an intentionality to go after somebody like a Madison Cawthorn within uh, the Republican Party in North Carolina because of how far right he was. So I think Republicans in North Carolina are smart enough to understand that and are going to try their best to stay away from going too far right and how that impacts folks at the state level. Um, I, I think we're going to see uh, district by district based upon the percentage of independent voters. And I, in the market, we can come back and look at it. Uh, if there's an overwhelming majority, uh, if, if we see a, a third of voters in, in, in districts that are independent, that district now is up for game, even if it looks like it's leaning Republican. I think in the House and the Senate, they should be concerned about um, districts that have 30 percent or more of independent voters because those folks are looking at this stuff, watching it, and they're concerned, and they're going to be the ones making the decision. Well, and it's not just independence. I, I, you know, I'm not afraid. I, I, I know this term rhino has been put out there, and, and it's supposed to scare some of us Republicans and make us, make us run. You can call me a rhino all you want, but um, I've been a Republican since I was in the 10th grade, um, well, excuse me, in the fifth grade when I cast a straw vote for um, George Bush when I was only 10 years old. So I, that's how long I've been a Republican. And I think I understand what this party is about. And, and I think this party has been infiltrated, quite frankly, with a group of people that, that aren't really Republicans at all. 
Um, and, and if this continues, if we continue down this path, not only are we going to lose North Carolina in, in, in November, quite frankly, but I think this party is, is going to end up being in, in the wilderness for, for quite a while. Um, we, we're going to have to figure out how to walk back from some of this craziness that we're out talking about and promoting. Um, you know, one moment we're the party of law and order and the next moment we've, we've got members, sitting members, sitting Republican members of the House calling on um, defunding the, the, the FBI. So, so now we've got House Republicans in leadership that are in, in agreement with the whole Black Lives Matter movement. So that, that's, that's how, how, where we've come and how fast we've traveled here in the last couple of years. So if we don't get our act together, um, not only are we gonna lose the Senate in November, but it, it's gonna be impossible to get a Republican back in the White House come, um, come 2024. That's my opinion. You guys crucify me. Stay out my inbox because um, you're not <laughs> you're not gonna scare me out the party at all. You know, Derwin, I appreciate you being here, man. I always, you know, I could talk to you, man, for we we could do a whole day show and just you and I. And I, I love talking to you. I learn a lot when I when I do talk to you. I don't always agree with you, but I learn a lot and I take what take a lot away from what you're saying. Um, real quick, before I got to let you go, anything you want to just plug for the audience, anything going on? I know you're um, doing a lot of great work for the American Cancer Society. You're spending time in, in Raleigh. Um, anything we should know about? Uh, biggest thing right now for me and for folks in North Carolina that need to understand is that for the first time in almost 10 years, Medicaid expansion is a, a real opportunity to happen, um, maybe in part for some of the reasons we talked about today, about folks looking in North Carolina to November and trying to get some wins to pull folks back together and, and make sure they can solidify their support. Um, but, um, you know, we, we need folks to pay attention to that, continue to engage with their, their lawmakers um, in the Senate and in the House um, to encourage them to really take action before this year is out. Uh, North Carolina stands to get about a billion and a half dollars uh, for uh, expanding at this point because of uh, the Biden administration's uh, uh, change on some rules earlier this year. Um, 600,000 folks across the, the, the state gets additional care, um, more job, more opportunities and more access to care. And so um, that that for us in North Carolina would be one of the biggest economic booms we've seen um, in a long time on top of all of the good stuff we've seen happening. Yeah, a lot of great things happened in North Carolina. We actually had um, Senator Joyce Kravick, who is a personal friend, um, but also the chair of the Health and Human Services Committee in the Senate side. She was on the show. Um, we did a political roundtable with her and she let my audience know she wants Medicaid expansion. And that is a very, very different position coming out of Senator Kravick, who actually spent quite a bit of time um, crisscrossing the state to campaign um, against any kind of Medicaid expansion. And now Senator Phil Berger, the majority leader in the Senate is on record saying he wants Medicaid expansion. Um, we also had House Majority Whip John Hardister as a part of that conversation. Um, and he talked about that he felt like this was gonna be brought up in the next session and it had very like likelihood it, it could pass. So if you wanna listen to that conversation, hopefully you're subscribed to our podcast um, so you can get that conversation I just talked about. It's available right now on, on Spotify and Apple, wherever you like to download your favorite podcast, you can lock in there. And then to my audience, I appreciate you locking in with Derwin and myself. Um, Derwin is on Facebook, go follow his page, go check him out on Instagram, go follow him on Twitter. Um, he'll give you some good updates on what's happening um, with some state politics here in North Carolina. Um, and also make sure you stay tuned to WTOB every Sunday morning at 7.30. That is where you can lock in with me. And again, if you happen to miss it there, you can grab it on the podcast. Make sure you follow Algernon Cash on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Until next time, y'all stay locked in.
The executive producer of the Locked In Podcast is Algernon Cash for WCG. The associate producer is Tim Beeman for Such and Such Media. The views and opinions in this podcast are solely those of the contributors and are not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting company. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without express written consent of WGC.